So that's the series we're in, I Am. Hopefully you've been with us over the last few weeks. And if you'd like to go back to any of the previous messages, you can go online to rockhills.com and check them out. And that's really the question for us as we start today. I am fill in the blank. What would you say about yourself today? I am fill in the blank. Now, you may fill that blank in based on how you feel today. You may have woken up and and feel pretty bad about life, dreading this week ahead. And that will affect how you fill in the blank. Something great may have happened this weekend or in the past few days, and you may fill that in in a more positive way. The question is, I am what? How do we fill that in? Here's what we've been looking at over the last few weeks. The first uh, message was, I am called. And hopefully, as, as we've been considering these things, some of us are, are wondering. You know, I, I'm called, and, and I'm feeling a little more clear on what God may be wanting to do through my life, on my calling. Some of us may, the second message was, I am light. And some of us are starting to think about, how can I be light in my closest relationships? What does that look like? Last week, we talked about this idea of transforming. And maybe you looked at your life and you said, there's an area of my life that needs some transforming. And you're already thinking about What can change? What can be different? Well, here's the thing for us. We all want to live with confidence, right? We would all agree with that statement that we want to have confidence in our life. And if we're interested in faith, I think all of us would say that we want to grow closer in our relationship with God. We want to have more confidence as we relate to God and follow Jesus in this world. So how does that happen? Well, we got to have a sense of what God is doing in us and around us. So here's our starting question. How can we be confident in our faith? Or how can we become more confident in our faith? Well, let's talk about confidence for a moment. I mean, because confidence is a good thing, right? We, there are all kinds of ways to improve your confidence in life. And you know, I, I think I get this book on my shelves. It's called The uh, Confidence Seminar. Is that what it is? No, it's The Confidence Course. It's by a guy named Walter Anderson. And it's one of those things, I mean, you can think of seminars that you've been to or stuff you've seen on TV. Here's this confident guy telling us how we can be more confident. Now, that's not a bad thing. And in a couple of first chapters of the book, he says, first of all, you got to be responsible for your life. Take responsibility. Own it. And then... Basically, form a big goal that you're going to pursue with your life. Well, I mean, that helps, certainly, doesn't it? But we know that confidence flows out of our competence in something in our life, right? I mean, it's like, uh, think of this. If, if you have lost some weight, maybe you've dieted, or you're starting to work out, and you're feeling more healthy, that gives you some confidence, doesn't it? I mean, you feel better about yourself. Is that a bad thing? No. I mean, God wants us to have a level of confidence. And maybe it's in your work where you, uh, you, you've, you're competent, you excel in whatever your work is, and you're getting recognized for that. Maybe you've been promoted or you've given, been given more responsibility, and you know that people look to you. You know that you're important to your organization, that you make it better. 
How do you feel? You feel confident. You feel a level of confidence. And maybe you have, uh, you have kids and you know, you're, you're into a season where you're just nailing it in terms of raising your kids because they're polite and people are telling you that and their behavior is good. Now, if any of this is happening for you right now, can you stay after and give us some advice to help the rest of us? But you feel confident because you have some competence in whatever that area of your life is. And that is a good confidence. But what happens when um, you've been dieting or you've been working out and something happens with your health and it changes your pattern and you start to put on weight or you lose strength? How do you feel? You don't feel confident anymore. You feel weak. You feel uncertain. What happens at work if you're, you think you're doing a great job and um, you're sure that you're adding to your organization and yet somebody else gets promoted? I mean, you can be doing a good job. Somebody else gets promoted and how do you feel? Yeah, cheated. <laughs> Not confident, right? You don't feel good. I can remember it when I was in sales I mean, if I was having a good month, I mean, I would walk around the office like this. I mean, sometimes somebody would be like, yeah, you're the man. Look at your numbers this month. Then the next month when my numbers stunk, what am I doing? I'm coming in through the back door. I'm avoiding my sales manager because I'm not feeling so good. So confidence has to be more than whether we're killing it or we're not doing so well. I mean, you Cowboy fans know what that's like, right? I mean, it's one week, you're like, I'm confident. Did you see how we played? And you guys played well. Cowboys played well this week, so what's going to happen this week? Boom, confidence, gone. (laughs) Gone. Hey, I know. I grew up in Detroit. I know way more than this. I grew up in Detroit. I was a Lions fan as a kid. And they were, I mean, I had no confidence ever. I never expected them to win. And uh, I have to tell you, so I'd given up on the Lions. I mean, it's been like over 20 years since I said, I don't care about the Lions anymore. I think I'm going to root for the Lions again. I don't know, I'm a little tentative, but I'm going to try. So what defines this? How should our faith grow in confidence? Because all these things are so temporary, right? All these things in our life can come and go and our feelings and our emotions go up and they go down. So how can we gain a confidence with God that we can't lose, that we won't lose, that nobody can take away from us? Listen to this text from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's a powerful text. It was part of the message last week. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not what what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And what Paul is talking about is there's something that God wants to do on the inside of us that has a great impact on the world and the relationships around us, but that's what matters most. Not the recognition we get or don't get, not all these other things that are part of our world, something that God wants to do on the inside of us that, gets, um, that has impact uh, on many people around us. All right. 
So here's the first thing that we'll talk about today. Answering the question, how can I be more confident in my faith? How can I fill in the I am with some confidence? The first is by being convinced about God's love in Christ. This is the starting point. This is the foundation. This is the grounding for us. And it has to be. How does God see us? We've got to be convinced about God's love for us in Christ. All right. Here's our text, our main text for today. Just uh, let these words set in. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, Jesus, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so, do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is come. Now let that sit in for a moment because it's not human. This is something divine that we have to listen to and allow to set in and ultimately allow God to form within us. If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So confidence begins with the Father's love for us in Jesus Christ. It's something that we can only experience in relationship with Jesus. We can't find it anywhere else. We pursue it in lots of different ways, don't we? But it can only be found in relationship with God through Christ. And it's God saying, I love you and I long for you to be close to me. I want you to know that I'm your loving father who has purpose for you, who has plans for you, who will never leave you or forsake you. Now, one of the ways, um, you know, we need to hear that we're loved, right? If our, if our marriage is gonna be strong and healthy, we have to know that we're loved. If we're gonna raise uh, you know, kids that are healthy and have some confidence, we have to express our love to them. One of the things that uh, Reagan and I have done for years, and we don't do it as much as anymore as we uh, have done in the past because she's nine. Um, but when I tuck her in at night and I pray with her, sometimes I'll say, Reagan, do you know how much I love you? She'll say, how much? And I'll say, this much, that this much. She's like, no, that this much. It's just, you know, this much. I love you. Your daddy loves you this much much. And you can see it in her eyes. You can see it in her smile that it resonates. She knows that I'm for her, that I love her, and I want what's best for her. And it's the same thing with my sons as they get older. They need to know that I'm for them and that I love them. And we all need that. And it begins with the God who made us. It begins with us taking in and believing that God truly is for us and loves us and has plans for us to grow and to prosper. 
Listen to this text from Romans 8, and it's, it's one of the songs that we have already sung. Here's what Paul says. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours in Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? Wow. That is a huge reality for us that we can embrace on a daily basis. You know why it's so important? Because it's the gospel. It's what Jesus, the reason that Jesus came into this world. It's the reason that Jesus laid down his life for us. As Paul says, one laid down his life for all. And he was raised again. Now this gets at the heart of how God has made this possible for us to become his kids, to be adopted into the family. Because the scriptures tell us all throughout that in our sin, rebellion, our brokenness, we were separated from God. And yet Jesus came into the world to repair that, to reconcile that. And as we choose faith, as we um, put our faith in Christ, His love overwhelms us because Jesus was our substitute. He paid the price for our sin. He took death on himself and defeated its power, was raised to life so that you and I can have hope and experience God's love in deep, eternal ways. Now, this is really important because uh, in this time of year on the Jewish calendar, it's uh, October, early October is the Day of Atonement. It's a, one of the most holy days of the Jewish calendar. It's something that the Jewish people celebrate. They don't offer sacrifices. It's just a time of repentance and remembering um, how they're to approach God. And yet, as we read the New Testament we learn that throughout the Old Testament, sacrifices were made every year, year after year, so that the people could be in relationship with God. And we learn in the life of Jesus that he came once for all to lay down his life for his people, for all of us who would believe and put our faith in Christ. And that was it. As we saw in the the preview video, because of that reality, because of God's goodness and his love to us in Christ, there's freedom. It's not God loves me today, he's mad at me and won't look at me tomorrow. It's not he loves me, he loves me not. 
What Paul tells us and what Jesus shows us through his life, death, and resurrection is that God is for us and it's done. He's called us into the family as we respond in faith and we can be confident that God is present with us today, that he is with us. And I've seen so many people experience this over the years and it's, it never gets old, it never gets dull to see, uh, you know, as somebody is, you know, around church, they're searching out faith. I think of a young guy a few years ago. His name's Shane, and he and his wife started coming to church. She had a Christian background; he didn't. Um, and he'd, uh, man, he'd he'd lived tough for a long time. And they'd come together, and they'd gotten married, and he was genuinely, you know, searching and trying to figure out faith. And you know, could it even be possible that God could love him? And I'll never forget the day when he said, you know, I believe it. I, I believe that what Jesus has done is true, and I believe it's true for me as I respond in faith. And as I looked into his face and his eyes as we talked about it, he shared this, just this sense uh, where a weight has been removed. And he said, I feel And that kind of confidence can only come through the love of God. That confidence can only stay as we're reminded day after day after day because of Christ. We're part of the family of God. And he's with us. He's for us. No matter what we're facing in life, he's there and willing to guide us and help us. Um. I want to talk briefly about this, this idea in a, it's a theological picture, but it's something that we uh, do here on a regular basis at Rock Hills, and that is baptism. So um, if you are at a point where you've just made a commitment to Christ, if you're ready to make a commitment to follow Christ and you'd like to be baptized, we're going to do that in about a month. October 26th, that Sunday, I'm going to put, uh, there'll be something up on the city you can come see us back at the connection table after service if you're interested. Um, but baptism is a picture of what happens in this text. Now, what happens in baptism? We have a big tank up here, and we talk about this person's made a commitment to Christ. And that means their old life is gone, and now the new life is beginning. So what happens is we put somebody into the water, and that's representative of us dying to our old way of life. Our sin is covered in the water by the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, and then we come out of the water raised, just like Jesus, to a new life. Now, it doesn't feel new a lot of days, right? Do you feel new today? Probably most of us say, no, I don't feel so new. I feel very temporary. I feel very frustrated. Whatever it may be, but here's what's happening inside of us. Remember, we're being renewed as we follow Christ. And baptism is a picture, it's a symbol of that, how we make a public statement to say, I'm trusting this. I'm trusting what what God has done through Jesus, and I'm expecting that Jesus is gonna give me strength on a daily basis. So if you're interested in baptism, Next month, you can come see us at the connection table. 
and look for information on the city. Okay, so how do we gain more confidence in faith? The first point is what? Anybody know it? Right? It's right in your message notes if you want to look. We got to be convinced about God's love for us in Christ. Now, here's the second thing. The second thing is by living for the one who laid down his life for us, we experience more confidence. When we live for something bigger than ourselves, when we live for the one who died for us, we can gain confidence because it's not about us anymore, right? Um, When it's about us, we get frustrated, we get hurt. There's all kinds of stuff that happens against us in life. But when we live for him, we get a bigger perspective. This newness, this new way of looking at life begins to form within us. And here's what we read in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says this, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We can experience this as you and I make a commitment to daily follow Jesus in his way of life. We don't have to be about ourselves every day. We don't have to make everything happen. We don't have to be self-consumed. There's another way. It's a new way. Because when we're self-consumed, what does that lead to? Misery, anxiety, hurt, All kinds of different things. That's not what God wants for us. He wants us to have a sense of life and confidence as we follow the one who laid down his life for us. Um, And I, you know, this gets played out in many different ways. There are different ways that we can do this and live this out. I think of a good friend of mine, Jeff. Um, He had, um, I mean, he's been he's been following Christ since he was, you know, probably a teenager. He had a sister, her name was Lana, and Lana had Down syndrome, and I got to know Jeff at the first uh, church that I was on staff at years ago, and uh, Lana was in her 30s, um, and she, I mean, she just had a way, uh, I mean, she had such a, a great sense of humor. She was always cracking jokes with you, and, and uh, especially with me at my expense, um, but he loved Lana. And, you know, his family had cared for her in such, you know, phenomenal ways. And she was part of a camp called Camp Sunshine, where every summer she would go and be with these friends from all over the area. And she would just get loved on and have such good times. Um, And Jeff would, uh, you know, he'd give time, he'd volunteer to Camp Sunshine. Well, after Alana died, Jeff uh, really felt a burden um, to do something for Camp Sunshine. And so he uh, got some guys together and he put together a fundraiser, a a golf tournament that now has happened every year for at least the the last 10 years, where he gathers a bunch of people around. He works, he spends a lot of time on this each year, puts a lot of energy into it, gets all these people at this event, which raises, you know, substantial dollars for Camp Sunshine. Um, And he does it, one, because he loved his sister so much. And two, because he loves the kids so much at Camp Sunshine. Now, there are a lot of things that Jeff could do with his life, a lot of ways he could spend his time, but he chooses to give his time 
to this organization and to raise support for it. That's just one way that he gains confidence in his faith and that you and I, as we think of our own lives, there are things that we can be a part of where we gain confidence because we experience God's love and God's presence. And we know what it's like as we sacrifice some of our own time and life and remember what Jesus has done for us so we can do that for others. That's a powerful thing. Okay, number three. What's another reason where our confidence can grow? By sharing our new life with others around us. Our confidence, our faith can grow as we share our life and our faith with others around us. And you may be saying, oh, you know, sharing my faith. And we'll be talking more about this next week. Next week is I am an ambassador. You may say, I mean, I haven't been to school, I haven't been trained. How am I supposed to share my faith with others? We make it a lot harder than it is. Um, I, can't, uh, I can't get this off of my mind. We've, uh, we've been studying a lot about China lately because we're adopting from China. And we have been matched with a little girl. I cannot wait to introduce her to you in the next few months. I don't know when it's going to happen, when she's going to arrive. But we have a new daughter in China. And so, yeah. We'll, we'll keep you updated, but I can't wait to introduce her. But so we're, we're studying a lot about China. And China, if you're familiar with the country, is, it's uh, primarily uh, Taoism, Confuci- Confucianism, Buddhism. Christianity is a very small percentage of the population in China. And that's because the government has been opposed to Christianity in the past. And even now, there are pretty strict guidelines for Christian organizations. Well, back in the 1960s, Um, Chairman Mao, he outlawed Christianity. And as we look back through, uh, you know, history, you know, they think there were maybe two million Christians at that point in China. That's not very many in China. And so what Chairman did was all the pastors, all the leaders of the churches were killed. All the second, third, and fourth level leaders were thrown in jail. And the church went underground. And so that was the late 60s, and China opened back up to Christian or Christianity and Christian organizations in the early 80s. And people expected to come into China and find the Christian church dead, that there would be virtually no Christians left. And what they found was the Christian churches and you know, these small communities had grown to 60 million plus people throughout China, from 2 million to 60-some million with no pastors, no primary leaders, just people. And you're like, that figures. That makes perfect sense, right? The people, how did it happen? Because they loved other people. Now, in the context where Christianity was illegal, the church grew. More people began to follow Christ. Why? Because these people are so loving, sharing their life and their resources and their homes with other people. People noticed that something was going on, that there was something new about these people, something different. And if it can happen in China under heavy persecution, 
It can certainly happen through us here as we share our life and faith with other people. Here's what we read in 1 John chapter 3. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I mean, that's where the gospel, the good news of Jesus, gets very practical. It gets experienced. It gets shared life on life. And you know what? If you're a follower of Christ, if you've put your faith in him, that means that you are new and that you're empowered and that God is with you. And it means whatever resources you might have, you can share those. And you can make a difference in somebody's life that's close to you. Some neighbor, some person at work, whatever it may be. And so here's the challenge for us today. is first for all of us, as you consider your own faith, I mean, you may still be checking out faith and we love that you're here and we want you to continue to do that. But for you, if you've made a commitment to follow Christ, to buy in to the power of God's love for you in Christ and what he's given you so that you can share it with others. Because our faith should be demonstrated. And when we demonstrate it, confidence comes. So for this week, the challenge is maybe it's taking somebody from work out to lunch. Maybe it's inviting somebody over to your home. I know it's tough, right? We all have crazy schedules right now. Maybe it's looking for a way to serve somebody. Maybe it's just thinking about who do I know that's going through something that I can do something small for. Maybe it's writing somebody an encouraging note. But you can share God's love today. And I know that he'll be with you. Please pray with me.